Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Roswell in the 21st century is a detailed re-examination of the Roswell UFO crash case. I have studied the evidence for more than 30 years, and I now put that evidence under a microscope in a cold case examination of the facts. These facts might not please everyone. They are based on my comprehensive investigation that took years to complete, but they do lead to the conclusion that whatever fell was not built on Earth. The best of Project Blue Book is based on the 22-year-long investigation conducted by the Air Force. But the book goes far beyond that, bringing in evidence that was uncovered long after Project Blue Book was ordered to be terminated. Using facts that were unavailable to the Air Force investigators, I was able to prove that the Air Force manipulated the data and drew unrealistic conclusions about the UFO sightings reported to them. My different perspective shows there was more to Project Blue Book than even the Air Force knew. Both books are available at Amazon.com. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404 404- Four seven four zero zero eight six. Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. 
Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. So glad you are here, our loyal fans, here with us again. And that includes you, Aaron. We are looking into all aspects of coincidences with people from around the world. In case you didn't know it, I'm a medical doctor and a particular kind. I'm a psychiatrist. And my guest today is another psychiatrist who is also interested in coincidences. I'm really glad. It's a great pleasure to talk with another psychiatrist who has so carefully studied coincidences. There is a big difference between us, though. Ralph Lewis, MD, believes that the best explanation for all coincidences is random chance. I believe there's a lot more going on. So welcome to the first debate between two psychiatrists at widely different places on the explanation continuum. Dr. Ralph Lewis, MD, is a psychiatrist at Sunnybrook Health, Cent Health Sciences Center in Toronto, Canada. He's an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Toronto and a psycho-oncology consultant at the Odette Cancer Center in Toronto. He works primarily as a clinician and a time-intensive hospital-based practice. He is the author of the book, Finding Purpose in a Godless World, Why We Care Even If the Universe Doesn't. Like me, he's a blogger for psychology today. Dr. Lewis obtained his MD degree in 1990 at the University of Witwatersrand in South Africa, where he grew up. He completed his residency training in psychiatry at the University of Toronto in 1996. And I find very important that he um, did a clinical research center with a fellowship with a concurrent master's of science in neuroscience. Very important for psychiatrists to keep up on what's going on with the brain. Dr. Lewis says this about himself and his family. He, his wife Karen, and their three children try to live a purposeful, inspired lives, lives in a godless world, appreciating the random, precarious, and pre precious nature of life, and knowing that while the universe doesn't care, people can and do care. Welcome to the show, Ralph. Thank you so much, Bernie. It's really very kind of you to invite me onto your show. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for being here, and uh, you, you, you have um, a, a view of um, the universe and our current reality that is not shared by a lot of my listeners, uh, but there are some, like a very good friend of mine, who really likes the way you think about it because she shares some of your same beliefs. But I, I'm, I'm curious, first of all, how did it happen that you came to write the lead article in Psychology Today of the April 2020 issue. How did that happen to Psychology Today ask you to do that, or you got to do that? Um, actually, I was, I was as surprised as you. Uh, I was contacted directly uh, by the deputy editor uh, who asked to uh, speak with me on the phone. Uh, she and I had corresponded around editing issues with my blogs, uh, and uh, she uh, she told me that their editorial team uh, really liked my blogs and was hoping that I could write a uh, long form print article. Hmm. Uh, some friends of mine thought when they saw the the cover of that uh, that issue thought that I had written that article. Um, I also have I also have a blog too. Um, and some of them thought that perhaps the, edit the editors of Psychology Today wanted to make sure that their audience had the perspective they wanted to present about coincidences, as opposed to the one I'm presenting, and that you represented what they wanted to be able for their audience to hear. Uh, you know, I, I, I really have no idea um, other than uh, that I, I hope and think like uh, like any reputable magazine that they uh, try to promote a diversity of opinion. 
Uh, but frankly, uh, I, I too would have expected the article to have been written by you because you've uh, done extensive work into uh, coincidences. So I was very humbled by the invitation. Yeah, um, I, I really like that they did it, that they asked you to do it because they asked someone to do it. And I appreciate your comment about my work because um, I've been doing this for like, uh, like quite a long time. Um, my, I really, st I started doing research with it, uh, with coincidences in like the in 2006 at the University of Missouri, and I've been chewing away at this ever since. But that they thought it was a subject worth talking about, presenting as a lead article, is what I like most about it. Yes. Uh... Yeah, so again, I, you know, I have no idea uh, what uh, factors into editorial decisions. Uh, you know, I, so I've, uh, I've certainly not done uh, the, the uh, extensive research that you have into coincidences, and it's only been uh, one of many of my, of my foci. I, I do like to uh, to think, though, and I do take care uh, to ensure that uh, the the views that I'm uh, expressing in my blogs and in that article do represent the mainstream scientific consensus. So, uh, you know, again, with all humility, because uh, I myself am uh, am not a uh, a researcher, uh, an experimental uh, psychiatrist or psychologist. I'm a clinician. But uh, I do. I am meticulous about making sure that whatever I express in my blogs, to the best of my ability, does represent mainstream scientific consensus. Very well said, because I think that's what you are doing. Um, very mainstream scientific consensus, and that consensus uh, lead, has led you to um, to strongly support the idea that uh, we live in a random universe and I, I'd like to hear where how you how you've gotten that um, conclusion from what you have read about and from mainstream science well uh, so I, I I will say that uh, while I'm not by profession a, a researcher uh, I'm a clinician once again um, I, I do read extensively, and uh, and I do take care to read uh, the most reputable uh, and once again mainstream uh, scientific sources. Uh, sources. So uh, my my understanding uh, of the scientific consensus is that uh, there are there is a convergence of evidence from disparate scientific fields that has been uh, coalescing in recent decades. Uh, that ha has reached a, uh, a fairly confident, ne never 100% certain, but fairly confident uh, understanding of how the universe and everything within it, including, of course, uh, living creatures, including us, uh, including our, our consciousness, all of this, uh, astoundingly and counterintuitively could have uh, um, formed in an entirely spontaneous and unguided manner right from the uh, b very beginning, which is still, of course, not well understood, but right from the origin of the universe all the way to the present state of complexity of the universe, including us, including our consciousness. But of course, science does not profess to know uh, everything with certainty. Science doesn't even uh, come close to having all the answers. Uh, there are varying degrees of confidence uh, uh, with which science uh, uh, asserts different, uh, uh, different hypotheses. Uh, for example, uh, so Evolutionary biology is a very mature, very well-established field, uh, whereas cosmology, the origin, the study of the origin of the universe, 
one, one could say is at an earlier stage of development, still highly sophisticated, but an earlier stage of development historically uh, than evolutionary biology. Uh, we do know with an exceedingly high level of confidence from mountains of evidence uh, in evolutionary biology that uh, biological evolution not only uh, could have uh, developed, proceeded spontaneously and unguided, but in fact is uh, utterly incompatible with the notion of being guided toward any purpose. And I know that uh, that among the uh, in the uh, the public mind, it's a very popular idea to think that evolution and uh, the idea of intelligent design uh, are compatible. But uh, there's there's a high level of confidence among uh, mainstream evolutionary biologists that evolution is utterly incompatible with the notion of any purpose, design, or foresight. We've, we've, we've come to the end of this uh, segment, and we will continue this in our next segment. We're talking with Ralph Lewis, MD, who is the author of Finding Purpose in a Godless World. Are you looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third-generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents, and tributaries from which to choose. With Jen E as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. Is formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past life lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet's day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. Okay, welcome back to CC with BB. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're talking to Dr. Ralph Lewis, a psychiatrist like me, about coincidences and about 
how the universe came about. And uh, Dr. Lewis has read a lot. He's really smart um, and has put things together and speaks well and is able to, to discuss the findings of mainstream science in a very clear way. You have, uh, you have probably had a little pushback from people who don't believe in uh, a teleology into a purpose but of, of evolutionary biology and of the universe. So I wonder what's happened, what happened with you and your article and what kind of responses you've got to that. Uh, sorry, just to uh, uh, ensure I'm understanding correctly, I think uh, what you're saying is uh, pushback against my saying that uh, evolution is not teleological. And just uh, uh, to define for the sake of your listeners, although many people do uh, uh, understand the term, teleology uh, is the, um, the, the idea that things happen for a reason towards some purpose, towards some goal. And uh, what I was saying before the break is that it's a popular notion that uh, evolution uh, is true. Yes, uh, you know, most of the public uh, do accept that, but they somehow think that it is guided towards some ultimate purpose, some goal uh, guided uh, in some intelligent way by some kind of, uh, of designer, some sort of supernatural force. Uh, so uh, certainly there's been pushback against my uh, saying uh, that uh, evolution is utterly incompatible with the idea of uh, purpose or goal. Again, I'm, uh, I'm just, uh, uh, you know, one writer uh, trying to uh, communicate clearly what mainstream science is saying. Uh, so this is not... I do. I'm, I'm just the messenger. Uh, yes, you, you are. You are. I, I think that's very worthwhile saying. But it's also that you're a messenger who believes the message. Uh, yes, totally. So yeah. I, I think I think you do represent mainstream science in that way because it fits your belief system. Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely fair to say, Bernie. Uh, Yes, uh, and and again, when we talk about belief in the scientific sense, uh, let me also uh, be clear uh, that uh, what scientists mean when they say they believe something is that they they uh, accept the uh, the prevailing evidence with a very high level of confidence. Uh, scientists. Uh, certainly credible scientists should never say that they uh, believe something with 100% certainty. Uh, science, science is all about disproving hypotheses. So belief in the scientific sense means uh, uh, accepting a belief uh, with a very, very high level of confidence. And what I was saying is that uh, evolutionary biology presents some of the strongest evidence available in, uh, in all of science and and it it is thought with a high level of confidence to be utterly incompatible with the the notion of being guided towards some purpose by some intelligent designer and yes people uh do push back against that because it's counterintuitive uh and uh, one really does need to have more than a a hand-waving impressionistic understanding of evolution to understand why uh, because uh, it, 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 it's not immediately apparent or in, intuitively obvious as to how such enormous complexity, uh, such uh, remarkable, clever complexity could have arisen unguided. And, and let me just add one more footnote, which is that uh, evolution is most, most certainly not a random process. It is, an, it is a non-random process guided by natural selection and sexual selection, but it is unguided. It is spontaneous and unguided. Uh, those are the words that I prefer to use. So people don't misunderstand and think that uh, scientists are claiming that all of this just assembled itself randomly. 
uh, at bottom, fundamentally, the universe can be understood as random, but random processes can actually give rise to non-random processes. And so you, here, you're, spontaneous here, here you're talking about complexity theory and chaos theory, which are beginning to tell us how what appears to be random can come up with predictable outcomes. And I, I think that those, those theories have great application in some parts of, the, of life and yet have to be more carefully applied to evolution but let's 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 try not to get into too much of the abstraction uh, except for one form of abstraction the idea that consciousness has emerged from this uh, non-random uh, process uh, from the brain that consciousness is a product of the brain could you really could you talk about how you think that has been demonstrated well, uh, the understanding of consciousness is, uh, is still at a very early stage of development, uh, but there is much more that's uh, understood about it than most people appreciate. So neuroscience, brain science, has been moving ahead uh, uh, with great strides. But it's certainly true and fair to say, and you and I will completely agree about this, that uh, we really don't yet have anything close to a complete understanding of how consciousness, how mind emerges from brain, from, from matter. But what, we, uh, what I am, am saying, or again reflecting from the scientific consensus, is that we do have very strong inklings, uh, very strong indications, uh, with, with plausible ideas, still in the, their infancy, to be sure, but plausible ideas of how the mind could emerge from the brain and how it's far more likely that the mind is entirely and only the product of, of the brain and that, uh, the, uh, that matter came first and mind came later in the universe. That, that's, uh, the sequence is interesting to wonder about, um, but uh, the, the openness to the question is what we're now talking about. And you have, uh, uh, let me say, a belief that is uh, less based on uh, evidence now that consciousness emerged from the brain. As you're saying, uh, neuroscience is proceeding rapidly to look at how the brain works, but it can't answer questions of what I, what I will call telepathy. And they can't answer questions specifically about an experience I had with my father. Well, my, while my father was dying 3,000 miles away, unknown to me that he was dying, uh, he was choking on his own blood dying, and I was choking 3,000 miles away in a way that was uncontrollable that I had never done before and have not since that strongly suggested that I was experiencing what he was experiencing 3,000 miles away. And that was one of the stimulus stimuli that got me to getting into studying coincidences and so part of my early research was to ask people if they had experiences like this. And the thousand people that we asked by questionnaire said that that happened to them sometimes, that it was not an uncommon experience. And there are other reports from Ian Stevenson here at the University of Virginia of the same kind of phenomenon. Uh, and I, I ask you, how do you address that kind of experience? Yes, uh, and Bernie, when I read that story for the first time, uh, the story about your about your father, I was deeply moved, and uh, I can uh, I can certainly understand and relate to how that influenced you profoundly in in this direction. And you're right; many people report similar eerie, spine tingling uh, coincidences. The 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 short answer is that coincidences should, uh, do not mean anything when we look at backwards with hindsight after the fact. Incidents would only be truly impressive if it was a prediction made before the fact. So if, uh, now, I mean, this sounds... Uh, 
in name, of course, and I and uh, I don't for a moment want to trivialize your experience. But if you had uh, made a prediction ahead of time that that particular incident would occur at that particular time, and then it did, that would be truly, truly impressive and eerie. And that is. Uh, that is the structure of scientific experiment, is uh, uh, forming an hypothesis and testing the hypothesis, the, a prediction, and, the, and carefully, meticulously, obsessively con uh, trying to control for all possible sources of bias and uh, in, uh, inadvertent influence that might creep in uh, unbeknown to the experimenter. It's, it's terribly difficult to, um, to catch these wild phenomena out there in the real world. I would have had to know uh, that my father was going to be dying of bleeding into his throat in order to be able to make that prediction. And I wouldn't have known, I didn't know that. I'm, the people who were taking care of him didn't know that he was even close to death at the time. So it would have been a difficult prediction to make. So it's a lot to ask for uh, what I also think is a, is a young science exploring stuff like this. Although there are stories and good research, uh, Dean Radin does it and has done over and over again research on, on telepathic kinds of experiences in the laboratory. But when that, those, when telepathic and psi experiments are reported, they tend to be um, uh, refused by mainstream science because they don't fit the current ways of people thinking. We've come to the end of, of this segment. We're talking with Dr. Ralph Lewis, MD, another psychiatrist, author of Finding Purpose in a Godless World, Why We Even Care, Why Care Even If the Universe Doesn't. How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide audience if you have seen a ufo had a close encounter seen a ghost bigfoot lake monster or a story that you would like to share or have investigated contact me rob mcconnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll free 1-800-610-7035 extension 143 and on skype xzone radio tv for more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light.
Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to CC with BB. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're speaking with uh, Ralph Lewis, MD, a psychiatrist, interested in coincidences, among other things. Uh, and uh, we're talking about the need for having predictions uh, to validate uh, a, a hypothesis. And in psychiatry, particularly in medicine generally, we rely on case reports often to get ideas about what needs to be tested. Uh, I've been able to do that in the past um, by taking a couple of case examples and making some generalizations about them and then finding other people doing the research that substantiate those. But they have to be researched, but you have to have the idea first. And so I, I came up with this idea of human GPS, the ability for a person to get where he or she needs to be without knowing how they got there, as if there's some internal map. So I had these, uh, I had two relationships with two different people that were pretty close. And we, we had a, a good bond. So I did an experiment twice with each one of them, once with each one of them, where I decided I would feel my, I will feel to go over to that person's house and see if that person comes out of the house when my car drives up. And so that was getting to me, going to the place I needed to be, but consciously doing that, knowing how I got there, but seeing if the timing was right for that person to come out of her house. Well, I did that twice, as I mentioned, and the first time I just drove over there uh, after dance one time, and uh, I rode over there and she, I didn't see anything, and then I saw a light in the car outside the house go on. She'd been in the car getting something, so there she was. She was there when I got there. It was a 20-second, 30-second window to find her there when I arrived. So I tried it again with somebody else uh, probably a year or so later, where this time I told myself to go to four or five different houses that I knew before I went over to this other person's house. So I followed the rhythm of my own intuition of going to these four different houses and then got a little lost going over to her house, pulled into her house. Her car was there um, and I just sat there for a minute and uh, for just 30 seconds and out of the house she came and got into her car about ready to go to somebody else's house. Now, again, that was a, a, a brief time window for me to have hit those two people's houses. So that was an experiment of prediction, Ralph, that I did twice that seemed to indicate there was some validity to the concept. What do you think of that? Well, one would need to, uh, to dissect the experiment in, uh, in methodical detail to, to understand exactly uh, um, how that played out. But most importantly, it would need to be replicated by independent scientists, and that's a key uh, issue in science, right? That, uh, and that's the, that's really the problem with Dean Radin's research as well: is the the lack of of reliable independent replication, and the and and furthermore the exclusion of all other sources uh, of uh, of influence. Um, Unconscious and unintended, of course. Uh, the uh, Ralph, the, Ralph, I don't think yeah. we. I think we can we can hold it right there because what you're demonstrating so clearly is that it's it's very easy for mainstream science, as you are excellently representing, to come up with uh, concerns and criticisms of uh, of almost anything that is outside what I'll say is the belief system of mainstream science. And I, I, I'm going to ask for your agreement here, but not necessarily expect it. But what you're saying gets us to an asymptotic place, a place of getting to the end of stuff where you still come up with the same conclusion, where uh, I don't have the reference, but it was 
a, a review of a paper uh, that had some parapsychological ideas in it, where the reviewer uh, said, yes, the methodology was very good, the statistical analysis was excellent, that the conclusions that were drawn from uh, the methodology, methodology and the statistics was, were accurate and were, 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 were reliable, but I reject the paper because I don't believe its conclusion. So, Bernie, I would completely agree with you. If that was written uh, uh, the way that you, you've just quoted it, that is a very un unscientific uh, critique of a paper. Scientists should never be uh, rejecting uh, uh, other, other uh, re research just on the basis that it disagrees with their belief. But I will disagree with you about science, science's resistance to new ideas. Uh, science has been uh, revolutionized many times by new ideas when the evidence was strong and, and uh, methodical and replicated. And, you know, if, if, if your ideas are in fact uh, reliably replicated, or if Dean Radin's ideas are reliably replicated, we're talking about uh, a potential Nobel, uh, Nobel Prize. I mean, uh, you could get the Nobel Prize if, if your uh, research is reliably uh, and independently validated, because this would be this would be the most exciting uh, revolutionary uh, uh, breakthrough in all of science. And scientists are always highly motivated to try to uh, to upturn, uh, overturn uh, conventional orthodoxy. It's a it's a difficult process for a very simple reason: uh, the funding sources will not pay for research like this. Uh, the funding sources will pay for research that continues to support the current mainstream scientific way of looking at things. I don't know if I've been on um, NIH uh, review committees, and I know people who have been on them. And just in psychotherapy, uh, uh, the, the, they would they would get people on those review committees who are very interested in one form of psychotherapy, like uh, cognitive therapy, for example, and wouldn't support research that was uh, it, it, not done in a cognitive therapy way. I was very interested for a long time in integrative uh, psychotherapy, trying to say that there's a lot more uh, in a psychotherapy than just the one school, that psychotherapy is a noun and cognitive therapy, psychodynamic therapy are verbs or adjectives. So these adjectives describe a noun. What's the noun? And that's what I was trying to be able to make some sense out of. I got some, some uh, positive attention for that, but it was still mostly support, research mostly supporting the, the mainstream ideas of the current accepted paradigm. And so what you're talking about is a very, very abstractly wonderful idea, but the funding sources won't pay for it. Well, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Uh, in general, though, science is all about trying to, to achieve breakthroughs. And so if anyone was, uh, was able to, to pursue this, uh, this kind of research and, and demonstrate it reliably, would be very, very exciting and highly motivating. Scientists are very, very motivated to try to... Uh, I, to... I, I, agree, I agree with you about scientists, and I am a scientist, and I'm highly motivated about coincidences. I'm talking about your requirement of reliable research, that it takes a lot of money to do the kind of research on what I just described as human GPS. It takes a lot of money and person power to be able to put together the ideas that I just described in a systematically well-researched way. I did what you required earlier on to make a prediction about my father. I gave you an example where I made two predictions, not just one, but two. And then it came out to be what I 
predicted it might be. And yet what you did was go on and say it needed more study. Of course it did. But I was answering your question about prediction, and you could not accept what I said, even though I gave you a study, my own, that fit the requirement that you have. I think that's a slippery way of thinking, Ralph. Well, okay, but Bernie, here's, here's another question. What, um, is, let's, let's assume that uh, your, your whole theory is correct. What would the what would the mechanism be? How would you uh, explain how this occurs in ways that are, are are compatible with pretty much the entire uh, body of scientific knowledge? So it's you know it's one thing to to overturn a uh, prevailing orthodoxy uh, in, in science, but uh, the the implication of uh, of what you're saying, if if what you're saying was correct, it would actually overturn all of science uh, pretty much for the last four centuries. We'd have to start over because everything that uh, that has been established and all of the highly highly reliably confidently validated data would have to be wrong because it's completely and utterly incompatible with what you're proposing what, no, what could i don't i don't think so i think uh, what i'm describing is compatible i'm not a big revolutionary in that sense i'm a continuum guy stretching the ideas of science we're coming near the end of this but as a partial answer to your question how to explain it uh, I, I ran across grid cells in the hippocampus the ca3 area of a, the hippocampus as 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 and place cells as a way of knowing a creature's ca capacity to know where he or she is in a three-dimensional uh, surroundings. And that became a way of understanding human GPS. Well, we can go to that in the next segment. We're talking with Dr. Ralph Lewis, MD, who is the author of Finding Purpose in a Godless World, Why We Care Even If the Universe Doesn't. watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet's day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. 
One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. It's formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. Having a good time here talking with Dr. Ralph Lewis about finding purpose in a godless world. And particularly, Ralph asked me a very important question about how do I begin to have a theory about how human GPS might work. And it's the beginning of a theory. Uh, Ralph, you're familiar with place cells and grid cells in the hippocampus and the parahippocampal area, I assume. Yes. Uh, because the people who did this uh, research were got the Nobel Prize for it after I, I read about it sometime. It's pretty amazing. So I was trying to see the, how well the, the brain is able to track position in space. Now, this doesn't answer the whole question. It doesn't by any means. But it says that we are able to know where we are in space, that the brain tracks it, and that we have memories of it. We have maps. And they call it human GPS. They call it GPS also. So it's not an answer to your question, Ralph, about how I explain how I ended up at these two people's houses at the right time, because the timing part of it is another variable in this. But it's still a beginning structure to answering. It's not a full answer, but it's it's a beginning of a way of understanding it. Yes. Okay. Because I want to go to the brain too, Ralph. I mean, I, I want to see how mind and brain are interacting with each other because you and I in psychiatry are in the mind-brain profession. We absolutely. Give, absolutely. We give pills that change the mind. We do psychotherapy, which changes the brain, each of which has been clearly demonstrated with neuroscience research. So I, I, I've been fascinated with how mind and brain interact for, so, for a long time, and, and so have a lot of philosophers. How, does mind, how do mind and brain interact? And that question is at the heart of what we do as clinicians, even though we don't think about it all the time. So I want to know, and coincidence has become a way for me to understand it. That's part of the way I got into it. So what is your understanding of how mind and brain interact with each other these days? Well, the, the mind is simply what the brain does. The, the mind is the product of the brain and nothing but the brain. And, uh, there, is, there is absolutely not a single aspect of mind or personality or the self uh, that, or, or consciousness that is not utterly dependent on the material brain. Uh, we yes, we don't know yet how consciousness emerges from the brain. We don't understand the mechanism, but we do know that it is one hundred percent dependent and correlates uh, exactly with the material brain. And how do, how do, what do you do about people who have near death experiences where the brain is not functional? Well, those have been completely debunked. There, uh, there is no credible evidence for, for any of that. There are beliefs, but there is no reliable evidence for that. And, and for that matter, there is no reliable, uh, independently replicated evidence for any paranormal phenomena. <laughs> well, it's a selective bias, but I, I don't want to get into that. I sent you a book, I think, Beyond Physicalism, did you get a chance to look at that? Yes, uh, well actually, uh, uh, Beyond Physicalism was the book you were going to send me. Uh, that was the sequel to the book you did send me, uh, which was Irreducible Mind. Yes, Irreducible and, uh, Mind. Yeah, 
so uh, of course I have not been able to to read that book. Uh, the uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Eight hundred pages of oh, it. Oh yeah, I've it's, very, it's very yeah. I've been very busy clinically uh, during COVID. Uh, but I did look at it, and I looked at reviews of it, and I understand the points that uh, the the authors are, 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 you know, very valiantly trying to make. Well, okay, it's, and I, 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 I think it's so useful for us to be talking like this for our audience because we clearly differ in what we think is true about reality, uh, and. And you base it uh, on very, very well-read scientific re ideas that you have gone through and, and digested. And I respect you for that, for having really filtered uh, in your reading uh, the way mainstream science thinks. But it's a, it's a belief that you have. And a belief that I don't know where you got it, but one that is supported by what you read. That it that one of the things that I've come to see as a therapist, not even trying to talk about parapsychological things, as a therapist, is it's not that it's it's believing is seeing. It's not just seeing is believing. Seeing is believing may give us more information about what's happening, but a lot of what we do is believe and then see what we want to see. And I, I see. I agree. And I, I see. Agree and you agree with that. Yeah, I've, I've actually uh, uh, written uh, about that, uh, used that exact uh, phrase, uh, believing is seeing, and at least a couple of my blogs, yes, I do agree. And where are you applying that, Ralph? Well, I, I, I think you and I understand this in similar ways, that, uh, the, that we form hypotheses in our minds. That's actually, it's an important way in which the brain uh, operates, right? The brain, uh, in fact, it's it's the very definition of belief, I think, right? That the, the brain forms expectations of what will happen next. And then uh, we tend to, uh, to see patterns that confirm our initial hypothesis. And it's actually quite uh, energy consuming for the brain because the brain is, uh, is a physical organ that requires energy. It's energy consuming, in other words, costly to overturn a belief, to overturn an hypothesis. So generally, uh, the brain seeks confirmation, but uh, only in the face of strong evidence to the contrary will the brain invest the energy and time to uh, reformulate its uh, initial expectations, its initial hypothesis. And I have, a, I have a belief based on my experiences, my experiences, that mainstream science has a lot of holes in it that need to be changed, not radically, but uh, modified. Uh, and they're based on my experiences. So my belief is that there is more to be done and much in, in thinking about the way the world works than the mainstream science beliefs that you cherish. So I, I think that mainstream science would, uh, would agree with you about the, um, the importance of challenging beliefs and, yeah. and about, and about uh, not holding, not investing in beliefs strongly in the first place. So this is the very reason uh, for the scientific method. And this is the reason why science is, uh, is geared towards disproving hypotheses far more than science is uh, geared towards proving uh, or confirming hypotheses. And science is very, very, very aware of uh, the problems of confirmation bias and pattern seeking and all of the cognitive biases. And that's why scientists are obsessional, meticulous about trying to control for and remove the, uh, those biases and, and really to remove subjectivity or to neutralize subjectivity and belief in the scientific uh, method. Well, if we, if we go along, we're getting near the end of our show, Ralph, but if we go along with the idea that believing is seeing, then that also applies to scientific experiments, that experiments are designed to confirm beliefs of the person doing the experiment. Well, I would say they're designed to disconfirm the beliefs, the hypotheses, or at least that's what good science should be doing. 
it's hard to get away from uh, the believing is seeing. And uh, I think you, you say it very nicely that it takes a lot of energy to be able to change a belief so that when people are set up experiments and in ways that are much more subtle than I can really describe, they design it in ways to confirm the belief that they have, even if it's an attempt at disconfirming or even if it's a desire to disconfirm. If they want to disconfirm it, that influences the results. I'm, I'm, the, we're not separate from our environment. Yeah, so uh, the basic problem that, uh, that we all have is it, the difficulty getting uh, beyond our subjectivity, right? Subjectivity is very valuable, and indeed subjectivity is crucial in generating hypotheses in the first place, right? Intuition uh, is crucial to forming hypotheses, but when testing hypotheses, subjectivity and intuition are sorry to say it, but the enemy, right? They, they are highly, highly, highly unreliable and uh, uh, subject to uh, uh, immense bias. And so the, the, the whole reason for existence of the scientific method and its uh, refinement over the centuries is to try to remove and neutralize uh, the subjective perception and, and uh, rely on on hard, cold, objective oh, data. It's, a, it's such a beautiful, pristine view you, you have of ideal science. <laughs> I participated in enough drug studies to know how much bias there is in those studies. Uh, and that's why it's a self-correcting uh, method. So uh, science uh, uh, is as flawed as the researchers who conduct it, but it yes. is a self-correcting self process. Well, I wish that were as true as you think. Um, and we're going we're gonna to keep plodding along as scientists trying to be able to figure out how reality works because where you and I are similar is we want to know how this thing works. It's really a, well, an oddball. Yeah, and our lives, our, our lives depend on science right now, uh, as we all know, with COVID. And it's being denied by too many other people. So, Ralph, thank you very, very much for being on the show. It's a pleasure to meet you and talk with you. And very generous of you, Bernie. Uh, a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your show. You're welcome.